Of course, there's going to be failure. At times, you will not always succeed from the first attempt. Sometimes you need to try and adapt different uh, techniques and methods to achieve uh, different goals. So I suppose uh, one thing that I learned from my business mentors when I was younger was that um, you should not look at failure as failure, but and you should accept it as a learning. So every every fail is actually um, something that you learned. Hello and welcome to Mind and Money Show, where we talk all things mindset, money management and our entrepreneurial journey. Along the way, we're going to throw in some amazing guests for good measure. I'm Shane Highland. And I'm Gareth Shears. This show is going to change your life and teach you skills that school never taught you. Hi, Danny. How are you? Hi, Garrett. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, we're good. We're good. Lovely to see you. Thank you for joining us this morning. Still the morning time, yes. <laughs> thank you for having me. Uh, where are you? London, are you? Yes, I'm London-based. Oh, lovely, lovely. But I, not a London accent. No, no, not a not London accent. I was originally born in Bulgaria, moved to the UK about 13 years ago, I think, now. Wow. Yeah, that's good. Uh, have you been in London for most of that time? Then? Uh, yes, I've lived in London ever since. Uh, I initially moved to um, study, so I did my master's in London. I um, graduated at UCL um, with strategic project management. I did a master's there, and then I just stayed. It just made more sense to stay and try and apply my knowledge and build a career in London just because of all the opportunities and uh, you're just in the middle of uh, business, really. I mean, that's the best place if you want to build a career in business. Oh yeah, it's a it's a, it's a great place, London, isn't it? It's um, there's so much going on. I miss, I miss going there actually. We were only talking about the, that the other day. That um, we need to get back out and about and, and kind of get back up to the the big smoke, as we call it. Um, which would be good. But yeah, I guess as we're kind of doing that, let's let's do your journey then. Tell us about your journey and where it all began. Um, so. When I initially moved here, I started working for uh, a major franchiser um, and I was heading their marketing and branding teams. And at the same time, I was studying and doing my master's. So it wasn't easy, but uh, it was one of the best decisions I've made for myself because that skyrocketed my career. I felt by that time, I felt I was plateauing in terms of knowledge after graduating with my and, and, and having my first degree. So it was quite nice to um, add more theory and having the practice in place together it all made sense it was a piece of the puzzle that was missing um, I also ended up buying a franchise um, while I was studying so that helped me pay the um, extortionate tuition fees that you know we were famous about <laughs> in the UK and but um, well long story short um, after that after a few years in franchise marketing client side I decided to move and I founded my um, business that is a franchise marketing agency called Franchise Fame. So um, we work with global franchise brands and we help them um, grow in the digital space find new partners that want to invest in buy into their franchising model and uh, just in this way, we enable a lot of people who are aspiring entrepreneurs and maybe not necessarily have followed up on that dream to quit their nine to five and start their own business and be their own bosses. Amazing. Danny, can I, can I pick up on one of the things that were you working 
full-time as well as doing the masters or was it full-time masters and working or was it just masters it was full-time work and full-time study wow okay it was two years of no social life and no weekends but i I was going to say how how do you manage spinning those two plates because everyone especially in the last two years have found you know the thing of of being employed or, or, or you know having a job as stressful enough but having to spend that plate of being employed and um doing a a really high level um educational course as well how, how did you manage that um i would say well resilience is a word that you've heard a lot on the podcast yeah. and you spoke about um I should probably thank my employers as well because I had their support. So um, they were quite happy for me to uh, go to school for one day of the working week and support me in that way. So they didn't pay uh, physically for my my tuition, uh, but they did say you can work for four days a week and one of the days uh, you can go to school and we're not going to decrease your salary or wage in any way, but because we see it as a long-term investment and all the knowledge that you will gain from that is going to contribute directly to our business. We're happy to support you in this way, which I'm very grateful for. And uh, it does not happen that often, but um, when someone sees the long-term, the long view and the big picture, it it, it does help because all the knowledge that I um, learned and, and got from the masters, I did apply in the business and it helped them. So it was a great investment from their end as well. That also, that also took up, I presume, a lot of your evenings and probably um, a lot of your weekends, um, which potentially w- would that have impacted on your, um, your fondness for playing sports and stuff like that? How, how, is that another thing that you had to, to try and balance? Yeah, of course. Um, well, there was literally no weekends or social lives or evenings just because I would go home after a busy day at work and would need to work on an assignment that uh, and a deadline was creeping in. So um, once I suppose you have, you know what, why you're doing it and you have that again, the end goal in mind that that is your driver. Um, I did have to make some personal sacrifices. Uh, but I knew that it was temporary and I knew that that would uh, enable me to um, get a better career or get a promotion or uh, back then it was back in 2015 before the pandemic so um, life was very different back then uh, everyone was out and about so uh, yeah it was quite uh, uh, quite difficult I would say but once you know what you're aiming for and what you'd like to achieve I think the sacrifices come naturally and you're happy to give them up as long as you know it's um, there's that goal and that vision in mind that you've got. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a good point. It's it's short term pain for long term gain, isn't it? Absolutely. And I think people forget that. You know, we're like we're we're big advocates of I guess learning and education and, and kind of I guess teaching ourselves skills outside our arena of what we do. But yeah, you know, we we did a lot during kind of lockdown, a lot of courses, and a lot of learning, and yeah, it, it's painful. And yeah, you know, we, we probably turned on a lot of work and didn't do as much work as we kind of could have done that time. But we knew it was a short term for the, for the long term gain of what we, we want to achieve and what we want to achieve for our clients and, and everybody. So, yeah, and I think people need to understand that, don't they? It's kind of don't get hung up on the fact that, yeah, I'm going to have to can my social life a little bit for the next couple of years or 18 months, whatever it is. Go all your life ahead of you as well. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's a payoff, as you said it yourself. Um, I do hold a, a passion for sports. And the, for me, it's very important. And it balances out. I think 
um, in a sense where because of the dynamics of the, and the line of work that I'm in that can be very stressful and can be long hours, I need my uh, something to vent out. Um, and sports is that passion that enables me to uh, empty my head after a stressful day. Um, it's a de-stressor. And um, after a workout, um, usually I would go and have a workout at the gym um, just in, in my lunch break. So it breaks my day quite neatly. So if we're doing urgent things in the agency in the morning and putting out fires, you would go and have a, a workout that helps you relax and just clears your brain. And then uh, I would focus on more strategic uh, planning in the afternoon and I'll be uh, well rested because uh, I've released that negative energy or stress at the gym. I, lo I love that, that idea. The one thing I took from earlier on is the next time there is a massive lockdown. So um, the best time to do a master's in London was probably started in Feb February, March 2020, when everything else is locked down and you can do nothing but just get the books out and, and, and just hit it hard. Uh, <laughs> um, you picked up there in sport. I, I love, <clears throat> excuse me, I love hitting the gym in the morning. And for me, it's a routine. It has to be done. And for me, it almost gives me the, trying to explain to people I'm using energy to create energy and endorphins to get me through the day. So you, off camera, you said you hit it in the mornings is, is, is your gym time de determined by your work schedule where you said there, is there something important? Do you always get in the morning or um, do you go morning and afternoon or is it, is it worked? Is your gym session? I'm trying to say is, is that worked around your work life or is your health life worked around your work? Um, I think it, it, it fluctuates or well, it, differ, it differs because sometimes I'll go mornings, but if I have a very early morning call because of uh, work, we work, we're a global agency. So we work with uh, Australia and the US as well and Europe. So sometimes you catch yourself on eight o'clock, 8 p.m. Uh, speaking to the States or 6 a.m. speaking to Brisbane, uh, which is the only time where actually uh, in uh, East Coast Australia can you can actually work with. So... I would then um, change my uh, or adapt my routine, my workouts around that. But usually morning and lunchtime is when I hit the gym and uh, football is in the evening. So often I would have two workout sessions, the morning strength training at the gym and then evening would be uh, a football training or just a game, a five-a-side game with friends, just grassroots level. Not allowed to talk about five-a-side games uh, anymore on these podcasts. Of my Achilles. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's like two years old now. We're not gonna we're not gonna dig that one back up. Uh, so I guess exercise is a non-negotiable then. Absolutely, it's uh, as I explain it. Uh, similarly to my friends, I, I tell them that I needed to get going. I need this to be able to function. And um, sports and work life are in such a balance that if you take one out, the other one wouldn't necessarily work i mean if it takes sport out i wouldn't be as productive or as efficient uh, at work just because it's as you said yourself uh, it creates well you you spend energy to create energy and uh, one is obviously um physical energy and the other one is uh well, i think mental health also is so is, is influenced by by sports in that respect absolutely um, so, yeah, it just keeps me sane, I would say, uh, without exaggerating, sports keeps you sane, especially if you're in a stressful line of work. It's, it's, it's almost it's a symbiotic that one 
coexists with the other and work is more productive as a result of increased physical activities plus mental health can be issues can be either reduced or eliminated as a result of physical exercise which has an impact on physical health as well as mental health and work related so it, it, everything is is joined up and it's it's getting that balance right and yeah very sure well that- put absolutely very well put and i see a lot of people at senior management or c level positions that have very busy routines and schedules and stressful work um, they find their ways to de-stress very often people drink I mean, just a single drink, it might be one or drink at the end of the day, just a pint um, at the the pub, but uh, it just helps with stress. Uh, I choose to uh, work out. um, That's my way and it's better and it's healthier and it does help me um, just stay on track and be focused. Yeah, and I I think using the kind of drink analogy there is that that, that's a dangerous one because you can get obsessed with fitness and okay, you, you take yourself to another level, but you don't want to get obsessed with the drink because that takes you to a totally different level, doesn't it? Um, Cause you see it, you, 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 I've heard of it and I know people who do it. They'll, they'll go out lunchtime and, I, and I'll have a couple of drinks just to kind of get themselves set up for the afternoon. I'd be no good if I did that at the end of the day, I'd have to have a light down, I think, but yeah, but it, it, it's a dangerous cycle to get into using drinks to kind of de-stress, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And it's almost like we live in a society, even here in the UK, it's almost like it's 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 a social must. It's socially accepted to drink, it's but accepted, it's a bit yeah. odd if you don't drink. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, um, I've had questions because I, I gave up alcohol um in April last year, so almost well, 10 months now. Um and it just served as a barrier to achieving my fitness goals I wasn't much of a drinker before I would have I'll be socially drinking over the weekend I would never drink at home by myself but um, I just said to myself if you I wake up incredibly early uh, on on weekends because this is when I, I have a bigger pound of, of like I play um, I play Sunday league we've got matches I've got commitments and I try to be as productive with my spare time as possible so uh, waking up early on the weekend does not really go hand in hand with uh, hangover or drinking the previous night so I just said to myself let's try it out it's not a big deal it's a commitment that I'd like to um, you know just you just committed to your fitness goals and achieving certain um, targets that you've put for yourself and if that serves as a barrier there's no point in making two steps progress and one step back sort of thing and um, I've been feeling my greatest ever since to be honest yeah, I no, I get that. I um, I've, I've toyed with that idea now because I I think we mentioned off camera. I, I did a long stint of kind of not having a kind of drink. I don't drink at home anyway. I'm, I'm a social drinker. I do like to kind of go out for like sport and things like that and catch up with friends and kind of have a drink. But you know, I I, I haven't had a drink since I think the seventeenth of December now, which is uh, which is a fair old stint for most people. I know a lot of people do dry January, but. Yeah, it's watch this space for me. I think I might I might head that way. He he laughs at me, but um, yeah, I I get it. It's kind of like it does cloud your judgment and and the the anxiety drinking the day after gives you is uh, I don't miss stuff like that. Danny, can can I pick on on that? Has anything changed in your life? And by that, I'm I'm trying to put into words the fact that you have said um i've decided to give up drink um even as a social thing did did it impact on 
friend circles, what you did in going out, and if it did or didn't, we know it has more of a positive impact on your sporting side now, which is all all, all good. But did, did you have to have time to think of it? Did, did circles of friends not evaporate or go or spend less time with them because it was around the drinking culture? Because um, as we chatted off air, um, back in Ireland, it, it's very, it was very much for many years built around a drinking culture and it's slowly starting to change. So has the circle of friends, when you decide to, to slow down drinking or give up, has that, has that changed the, the dynamics of friendships or anything in any way? Um, it did a little bit. Obviously, your best friends or your closest will always be there to support you. So I do have a very small circle of close friends that would always support me through that initiative. And um, uh, some of them don't drink at all or, or drink very occasionally. So um, it was a natural thing for uh, the wider part of my acquaintances and uh, friends that did change uh, a little bit because it was all around socially uh, meeting in a pub and having a few drinks. So everyone would, I had weird questions. I had uh, questions like, are you in the AA or uh, <laughs> are you sick? Uh, you must be sick or, you know, there's no other reason to give up alcohol. And uh, it just makes you think, uh, you know, how is society conditioned to drinking? How accepted, widely accepted that is? And almost if, if you don't do it, there's something wrong with you or you must have an illness or you must have an issue with alcohol. So, yeah. But, that, but that's changing. Yeah, sorry, but yeah, I hope it's changing. But naturally, I did stop seeing certain uh, people or certain um, circles of friends. Well, at least not as regularly. I still keep in touch with them, but it won't be that evening out with drinks, but it would be a cup of coffee or, yeah, just different. It just changed. It's called getting old as well. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> May I ask you then, what? What is the biggest motivation for you? What's, what's a big drive in your life? Um, I've always been passionate about uh, equality and me being a, a, a woman, uh, a female entrepreneur in the business world has always been, had a, a drive. I wanted to prove um, that women are as good as men in business or in football or just... Um, I've just been very passionate about gender equality in general. So that's a driver of mine since I was a little girl. I grew up in a very patriarchal society I was, and I was often told, oh, you can't do this. This is not ladylike or you can't play football. This is a boys game. And even boys didn't want to play with me because I'm a girl when I was very little. And I couldn't it couldn't quite grasp why. I was like, but why? I'm equally good or I'm even better at some of the girls, than some of the boys that were playing there, but they would still not allow me. And I thought it was quite unfair. And then later on at school or at uni or at work, you kind of see these, um, uh, you know, some people say, make comments and they'll be like okay but that's not very ladylike or uh what would you or just just things like that and I was like actually I can do whatever I want to with my life and I can be whoever I want to so that has always been a driver of mine uh, just to be a successful woman and uh, just inspire other um younger women that they can uh, have a career at uh, in business or they can uh, be sports sports a sports person in any sport so from we we usually ask a question about um, mental toughness or um, mental resilience and and how how people cope with being entrepreneurs how they cope with the outside world and put on a brave face when 
uh, pardon my phrase, they're having a shit day. Um, but it seems from a very early age with you, you all almost had to be really mentally tough to try and push the boundaries of equality from not just from being an entrepreneur, but from from being even younger than a teenager. How, how did you cope from from that young of an age with dealing with the bad days um, that may initially come with not being accepted on a football team to even the, the bad days in, in work now? Um, I suppose uh, if you love something and you enjoy it, uh, you don't give up. I've always been very consistent in everything that I did. When I set a target for myself, I don't stop until I achieve it. Then I reward myself uh, and then I, I move on to the next goal or the next target. So I've always been quite consistent with everything that I do. Um, of course, there's going to be failure at times. You will not always succeed from the first attempt. Sometimes you need to try and adapt different uh, techniques and methods to achieve uh, different goals. So I suppose... Uh, one thing that I learned from my business mentors when I was younger was that um, you should not look at failure as failure, but and you should accept it as a learning. So every every fail is actually um, something that you learned, and you need to adapt uh, or just um, stand up, and dust off, and just continue and try something else. So if you don't focus on the failure or um, not being successful, but focus on the part that you've learned and you've got something out of it and then you move on and try something else you will at the end get to that final goal of yours so I think just having a positive mind and not focusing on the negatives but um, yeah just uh, being consistent and uh, thinking about failure as learning and uh, cracking on with it yeah that that's a big one it, it's something we talk about a lot and I'm a big fan of you control the controllables you can only control what you can control in life and and I, I heard a good thing where someone said it, failure is feedback. Yeah. So you, you take from failure the, the good things and the bad things. Go, well, actually, I'm not going to do that again. But actually, there were some good things that came out of this. But yeah, the, the, I'm a huge advocate of we can only control what we can control. And sometimes we all forget that. And, you know, we can't control the weather. So, you know, if you hate it, move to a warmer climate. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of, we can't control that. So it's uh, it's a big thing for me. So yeah, I get that 100% if you if you set a target that, that's really interesting all that you're chatting about if you if you set a goal a target a plan to save one thousand pounds and you save 999 pounds technically you have failed but i suppose the the the, the way you're talking about it is i can i can review adapt and work out how i've done so well to get 999 pounds and and then next time hit that thousand because not every failure is is a black and white failure absolutely it depends on how you see it and yeah the glass is half full or half empty up to you but you've already done uh huge progress by saving 999 so um yeah and i'm the type of person that would probably not have lunch but will save that extra pound to hit the target you touched earlier, talk, now we're talking about uh, money and it may not be money. You said, uh, when I achieve things, I reward myself. Tell me more about what, what rewarding yourself means. So for me, it's very important that you don't always constantly grind because, you know, everyone talks about the grind. Uh, yeah, that's fine. It's part of the process, but you need to 
pat yourself on the back a little bit once you achieve and once this is over to give yourself some sort of credit, appreciation and a reward. It doesn't have to be something tangible or something materialistic. You could be, um, you know, just tickets to the West End or uh, go for a nice dinner or go for holidays um, or anything really that you'd like. But you, you do want to dedicate certain moment or time or um, something that you did for yourself could be a spa getaway or whatever to say that actually I did this because uh, I graduated that or I hit that ambitious target or I did this because otherwise it kind of um, removes the the joy out of achievement uh, why would you be doing this and then for the next goal you wouldn't be as motivated to hit that goal on time or within scope or budget or uh, whatever because um, you there's no rewards or there's no positive moment it's almost like nfp like neurologistic programming or almost like pavlov's experiment with the dog if you recall where you know there has to be certain reward this is how we function i know it's a very basic example but that's how we function you only um achieve or you only give a hundred percent or your best if you know that there's a prize at the end of it is, is it the case that the reward is not only a reward for the for the previous achievement, but when something is hard, be it work related or a uh, if you use a sporting context, trying to lift that extra weight in the gym or trying to run that distance harder in your mind, you, you can almost try and raise that next level by saying, do you remember how how the reward felt last time. Well, if you do it again this time, you're going to reward yourself again. So it's that extra motivation or push to get you over the line. Yeah, absolutely. It's more for the next uh, next goal that you'd like to achieve because you remember that feeling. Your brain produces the ser uh, ser serotonin or other hormone levels that are make what well, the happiness hormones, and then you're like, okay, that's gonna that's going to uh, be my next um, target. Well, I'm gonna feel this way once I achieve this next thing. So um, yeah, you kind of um, learn on the go and your brain remembers and you remember the feeling of happiness once you achieved something. Otherwise, if you remove the joy element, um, there's, no, there's not really a driver behind achieving that goal, that next goal in particular. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, we, we talk a lot in the previous two uh, series about um, freedom and more uh, specifically financial freedom. By that, we mean the ability to do what you want when you want without the fear of ever running out of money um have you made plans yourself so that you can enjoy the next decade two decades and plan plan ahead like that um at the moment i'm in a stage where i invest most of my time and uh, um into um business so the return on investment hopefully in the next decade will allow me to um achieve that financial independence. Um, of course, I, I do feel in a, in a sense that I've already achieved it to a certain extent. I think just um, in a lot of the cases, we need to be grateful for what we have. That's always a reminder that I, um, that I um, yeah, keep, keep going back to just because uh, when, we, when I started, I started from a modest background. My parents uh, were quite modest and uh, I've always been taught to appreciate what I have and to build up on that. It was never given to me uh, or it was never granted to me. I was never entitled. I had to work for every penny. I had to work and save for my education and all that. So um, 
in a sense, I'm grateful to where I'm at, uh, but also I do have plans and, and goals, but it's not a must have. Uh, I'm happy with, with my current state. And as an example, when the pandemic hit uh, back in 2021, last year, actually, in February, there was the second lockdown that was coming in the UK. And I just dreaded it. I did not want to spend a minute more after Christmas here uh, being locked again. So I, I had this dream of mine. I had always had that dream of mine since a little kid to visit Brazil uh, because I associate Brazil with football. I was a big fan of the Brazilian golden era of football with Kaká and Ronaldinho and the true Ronaldo and all these big names. So I, 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 said, I love how you got the true Ronaldo in there. That is superb, yeah. <laughs> so... At some, I had this idea, I wrote an article about it actually, it's on my LinkedIn profile, I had this idea, very bold at that time, to just go to Brazil because flights were so cheap, the weather is amazing, it's sunny, but back then there was the Brazilian variant that was scaring the whole globe and everyone was trying to flee out of that country, I was the only one with the idea to go there, so naturally my parents and my family were quite against the situation, well the idea and they said don't go, it's dangerous, but I decided to be brave and bold, and because of because of work, uh, we can we can work from any point of um, of the world as long as you have a decent internet connection in the agency. So I said to myself, my business is not going to suffer in any way. Uh, why not just do it? There's never a better time to follow your dreams um, than now, because if you keep postponing and just hide in that convenient or comfortable comfort zone of yours. And say, okay, now is not, not the right time to launch this product or launch this service. Now is not the right time to follow my dream. And you can always find excuses. That's how our brain works. We want to be safe. Um, you always find excuses not to do something. But uh, sometimes you just need to push yourself and, and just go. And I did it. I, I On the 13th of February, I embarked on a, an airplane to Brazil. I think it was five of us on the whole aircraft or something. There was nobody flying to there. And it was one of the best decisions I've ever made for myself. I stayed there for two months. I played I, I signed up for a training camp, camp, football training camp on the beach. I played every day. I worked uh, half of the day, half of the day I spent on the beach uh, working on my fitness and ball control and just playing. And it was a dream come true. I, I was the happiest I've ever been, but also I was the most, um, uh, I was top of my game in terms of business as well, because I was so happy and I was following my dream. And uh, I was um, also very productive. I was smashing conference calls, plans, uh, working with the team despite the time difference and all that. So I suppose bottom line is that I wouldn't have been able to do this if I wasn't financially independent. Um, and, and that brought me happiness. Yes, I'm not a millionaire yet, but, uh, you know, we're working towards achieving more. But sometimes we just need to sit back, relax and say, actually, am I happy? Can I do the basic things that make me happy? Or, uh, and and if, you, if you answer with a yes to that question, well, you are financially independent. You'll have financial freedom to be happy and to live your life happily. So, you know, just you just need to quantify what financial independence means for you. You seem to align your spending with what is valuable to you, which ultimately led to extreme happiness which brought a, a, an air of or an aura around you of just, I can do anything, which increased productivity and work. So it's gone back to earlier on. Everything is interrelated. So if you, if you, can, if you can make sure you get them all 
correct and you 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 position enough of time on you as well it's not always about work 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 because work can actually be as productive if not more productive if you look after yourself and do what you want to do as well um uh, did you say earlier on about the grind forget about the grind or you know um work hard and play hard as well yeah absolutely it's so important and we kind of tend to forget that sometimes we're so focused on our routines and day-to-day tasks and you often speak to people and you ask them what makes you happy and you don't get an answer to that or it takes them a while to actually snap out of the whole routine and think about why they're doing it or what actually gets them keeps them going um, you'll be surprised how often I don't get an answer to that. I, I think the simple answer to that is they probably don't know or, or never really considered it. And, and I think, like you talked about, you just get stuck in the grind and forget actually what you're doing it for originally. Yeah, that's probably um, why I'm so passionate about franchising, actually, because franchising as a business model gives you so much opportunity in terms of being financially independent. Uh, A lot of people have entrepreneurial dreams or at some point in their life have had a business idea, but they never never followed up on it because they were not sure if they can succeed on their own. Entrepreneurship, as we know, can be quite a lonely place and can be very challenging to start something from scratch. Um, So they were either afraid um, or they didn't know how to start or they didn't have the right backing. So franchising provides that great opportunity where you have support and information and it's a proven business model that you need to replicate. So you're buying into an already successful uh, business and you have that continuous support and continuous mentorship and uh, training um, and advice so that you can start uh, with a higher level of certainty and a higher level of success uh, probability. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I don't know a huge amount, amount about the franchise model and everything, but I, I kind of get the, the concept of it. And I think it's great because it gives you that ability to become entrepreneurial by taking an element of the risk out of it because I guess it, it gives you a process procedures in place. So you can actually just concentrate on what you the actual skill you bring into it yeah absolutely it eliminates the risk it mitigates risk and uh it also teaches you because if you were so so far have only been an employee you're probably good at something specific but you don't necessarily uh, have or possess or all the all the qualities needed for uh, sort of 360 operations of a business whether that's finance marketing and all that so once you get that support and you've got the franchise manual uh, the operations manual you've got a, a, the peer network uh, is, is so valuable as well because you are placed in an environment with other peers that have already been successful and that can they probably had the same struggles or the same challenges at first. So you've got that network where you can um, ask questions and be supported. You also have the franchisor looking after you um, and um, telling you exactly what to expect when you're breaking even, um, what is done, how it's done uh, the right way. So it kind of eases off a little bit uh, from the burden of being an entrepreneur on your own. And it teaches you how to do that in the best way possible, in the most cost-effective way without the trial and error that you'd usually um, have um, to undergo um, on your own. Yeah, that's good. 
you you kind of touched on, I guess, with the support group side of it. You know, like it, it's a lonely place being an entrepreneur. Absolutely. You know, we we speak to many. We've got a lot of them are clients because that's our kind of specialism. Um, and we're we're quite lucky because we get to bounce ideas off each other within the business. But then we also have people who we go to to also kind of have a, a kind of high level chat about things, don't we? Because people outside what we do because you become so kind of focused on what you do and you actually forget about actually business can be a lot more simple and sometimes you overcomplicate it. But yeah, I think that, like you say, that, that having that support network is a huge thing. And some people forget about that because it is a lonely place. I, I saw somebody put something out on, on LinkedIn the other day. It was in the same kind of arena of us. And, and you can see he's obviously struggling because he, he is just a one-man band. And he doesn't have that support network around him. You know, and when the chips are down, it's just you. And, and other people don't understand. Sometimes you can go home to your partner, but they just they don't understand where you kind of are when you're in that kind of hole. Yeah, it's um, it's stepping outside of your comfort zone. It's not the same as having a paycheck at the end of every month where you're an employee. And a lot of uh, employee sort of thinking is uh, always saying, why is the big reward or the big bucks, um, you know, going to the owner of the company? But there's so much risk and they don't see the endless hours of work that you put in, the stress, uh, especially around the pandemic. A lot of the businesses um, suffered a huge hit and there was so much stress. And I'm talking more the exactly the sleepless hours, the nights where you could, some of the businesses that we work with lost over 70% of their revenue over a week. And at that time, um, it was turbulent time, unprecedented times. Um, you don't know even if you're going to be in business in a couple of months. Uh, you start thinking about difficult decisions to make. And that level of stress, that level of um, uh, worrying and um, just lack of support and the feeling of being alone and that's uh, that moment is uh yeah it's a dreadful place to be in to be honest yeah no no it is and and i think that's certainly been heightened over the last couple of years for people as well you know it's uh, the but yeah you know I, I think i think having that support network for me is huge and that ability to kind of bounce ideas off and and and, and i just that we've built processes in place and we're still building them because we want that ability within our business to be able to, when we bring people in, go, well, there's the manual effectively for doing this. And, and that's effectively what franchising brings, doesn't it, really? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's, it's all about relationships. It's building relationships with your franchisee network or your partners. It's building relationships with vendors in your supply chain. It's building relationships with your end clients, that, um, thanks to whom you've got business and your reputation. And um, it's just a 360 relationship uh, building. I am particularly passionate about it because, um, because of um, the way it contributes to local communities as well. Uh, so it opens more jobs, creates more economic growth in that way and decent work opportunities. And those are global UN goals as well. So uh, franchising is just a, a brilliant model that on the one hand, helps people achieve their entrepreneurial dreams, but in, in, on the other hand, it also supports local communities by creating more opportunities for them and giving equal opportunities to people, both uh, whether they're like from the same um, different ethnic backgrounds, men or women, uh, you know, and just links very nicely to um, 
to my passion or my roots passion of equality and uh, gender equality because you can be an entrepreneur a very successful entrepreneur and you can be um, you can come from anywhere and um, your success probability is quite high up if you buy into a franchise yeah exactly so on the new season of this podcast we've we've introduced effectively like a quick fire question round um you don't have to be like really quick answers but kind of we're going to go yes. for these three questions now so have a sip of water and we can uh, fire away so what's the this is a double head of the first question actually what's the best and worst advice you received around money growing up um, best advice came from my parents uh, because they made me work for every penny if I wanted to buy anything like a new pair of kicks uh, very expensive back in the days that they couldn't afford anyway but they, even if they could I don't think they would have bought them for me I remember my dad saying I was 13 I remember him saying uh, you have to work uh, get a summer job so that you can buy yourself those kicks or those sneakers and uh, I didn't quite understand him back then, but it actually built a very solid foundation of uh, appreciating every penny that you earn and also uh, hard work. And the worst advice, um, to be honest, I don't, I can't think of a poor advice that I've been given about money that you should always want some more, I suppose. I mean, I think just uh, settling, uh, sitting down and just ha being being happy with what you have is very important. So I think the the whole paper chasing thing is it's very easy to fall in that trap, looking at social media, looking at celebrities and all that. So, um, you know, just money is never enough sort of thing. I've heard it from friends. I've heard it from everyone around me. And you just it slips in the conversation. I think that's the worst advice because as long as you're happy and you're financially independent, then you can do things that make you happy. Um, I think that's enough. Exactly. Don't do things to make other people happy sometimes, isn't it? Mm. So next one, who would you look up to and who inspires you and why? Oh, and so someone living or it doesn't help? Any, whatever works best for you. Uh, so Maria Curie has always been a very big uh, admiration and she's a no she's the first woman that uh, uh, won the Nobel uh, Prize and without her inventions um, I mean we wouldn't be that advanced in terms of uh, medical uh, and, and just medicine and x-ray and all that so and she's given her life for that so um, she's been a real passion and inspiration of mine because of being the first woman that won a Nobel uh, Prize but also I should say uh, footballers and uh, you know there's quite a few footballers and coaches that I look up to because of their resilience and because of their achievement and it's not e as easy as it looks on tv uh, you have to sacrifice a lot to achieve uh, such greatness this is where we could become very confrontational go on give me a name of one and I'll I'll do thumbs up or thumbs down oh, my best football player my on, top then. three of all times so. yeah go on then well, I'm a red devil, so of course oh, no. uh, I look up to Sir Alex Ferguson and his achievements with the team, of course, but uh, that, that is, uh, it comes natural. Um, I would say one of the best um, players that I found um, so is Ronaldinho. I really, really, really like Ronaldinho. It's a next level of footballer and an entertainer. He dances with the ball. Um, and just just in general athletes you can learn a lot from athletes and you can kind of um use that in business as well 
their motivations, their struggles, the sacrifices they make to achieve um, or win that prize or win that competition. And it's all down to them. And yeah, being an entrepreneur, you can do, a, you can have a big par parallel compared to a sports person. You have, kind of have the same struggles, but the reward is there if you are committed and if you are resilient. Somebody sent me a picture yesterday. I'm just going to read it out now. Um, Usain Bolt won eight gold medals in three Olympics, and he only ran for less than 115 seconds on the track, earning $119 million. That's economy of effort. But for those two minutes, he trained for 20 years. Absolutely. You have to put in that uh, 20 years or what uh, not of, of, of really hard work and dedication and sacrifice to achieve greatness. And that's uh, something that really have always inspired me to um, try and achieve greatness in business the same way as in sports, as a sports person. Yeah, I, I think um, Steve Jobs coined a phrase of the 10 year overnight success, didn't he? Yeah, no, it's, uh, it does not happen overnight. No, there is a contradiction to that, but I won't go into that. Some of these YouTube stars who are about eight years old and have managed to kind of earn millions and millions in about a year's time of being on YouTube, they do contradict the norm, though, with that. And and, and you don't know how sustainable that is. Uh, for me, it's all about sustainability in the long yeah, run, uh, rather than just um, something temporary and getting on the news and yeah, achieving fame is different. Uh, yeah, the long term fame is important. Last one. What's your superpower? Basically something that you're kind of ridiculously good at. Keep you up. Keep you uppies. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Uh, I'm ridiculously good at keep you uppies, but um, no, I would say uh, the fact that I'm consistent and I don't give up. Um, so my mom used to call me stubborn when I was younger. I really thought this is going to help in, at some point in my life, being stubborn and be a positive quality than actually a negative one. I, I don't think I'm stubborn. I think I'm just very consistent at what I do. And that that is, um, even if I fail an X amount of times or uh, learn X amount of times and I would not give it up until I I achieve what I've uh, put my mind to. Keep you up is now don't involve just your left foot and right foot. It has to be your knee and your head as well. Yes, absolutely. Chest, shoulder, <laughs> the whole thing. <laughs> but no, consistency is a massive thing and, and we talk about it all the time and uh, I, I have a lot of people kind of come to me around kind of social media things that we, we do quite a bit on social media and I've been building my following over time and everyone's like, how did you do it? Like I, I post something and no one's interested. I was like, it's all about consistency. I've been consistently posting. I don't think I've missed posting on Instagram for over 12 months now. I think I posted every single day and that's consistency. And if you don't have it, people just think you can do things these days, stick something out on Facebook, stick something out on Instagram, or they do it for a week. And they think it's going to change their life and change their business. But like you say, it's all about consistency. The more consistent and positive you can be, it's the only way you're going to do it. Yeah. And then with consistency, you also learn and you get better and you improve and refine. So uh, once you've done a thousand pitches, for example, you're really good at pitching. Once you've published a thousand articles, you're really good at writing articles. Once you've done a yeah, hundred business deals, you're... Uh, great at doing that so it kind of has that other element of uh, just refining your skills that's how you great you get because 
of course, if you're repeating exactly the same thing, I think Einstein said it over and over again, that does not work. You're not going to get a different output. So you have to adapt and change and better and improve. And then you repeat and it, finally you, 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 get, um, you get where you're headed to. Yeah, the definition of insanity, isn't it? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. It's, yeah, it's mad. It's mad. That thing? I'm going to try and remember it. You'll always get what you always got if you always do what you always did. So if you don't change and pivot and adapt, things are not going to change. Um, Danny, last one. Um, we probably kept you far too long. We didn't, uh, but it was it was been really really enjoyable chatting. Um, even though I am not sure about Sir Alex. Um, uh, I'm on the fence <laughs> with that. I think I think I'd King agree with that one, I King King Klopp. Um, um, what what is next for you? Next, um, it's, it's exciting times ahead of us uh, with franchise fame, uh, just because uh, we're building campaigns and uh, getting out there to attract uh, um, more and more clients and work with more franchisors. Um, so in terms of business, uh, very exciting times. I'm also looking forward to um, having my book, book published um, in April. So I wrote a book on franchise marketing that's called Franchise Fame as well. Um, so this is coming up in April. And um, yeah, I'm very excited. I've never done anything like this before. Um, from a personal perspective, I do play, um, I'm an amateur athlete and I play a sport called tech ball as well. Tech ball is uh, a foot, uh, a very new emerging sport uh, that is kind of like ping pong with a football table where they play on a ping pong table with it. And I took part in, a, in the world championships in December last year and I'm playing in the French Open in March. Representing and, who? Sorry? Representing my, my home country will be yes. Like, yes. <laughs> yes. And uh, it was a lovely event. And uh, it's just uh, these things make me happy. It's something basic, but going and playing uh, at a level, even if it's professional, semi professional, these things make me happy and keep my mind off work. So it kind of balances off as we agreed. So uh, that's, that's next. Uh, a lot of work, um, but exciting work and seeing your business grow hopefully and then at the same time hopefully performing uh, well as an athlete brilliant amazing thanks Danny. thank you very much for coming on we will keep an eye out for you in any world championships and we will um put a date in the diary for basically thanks for listening and if you enjoyed this episode then please subscribe and remember to follow us on social media for more content like this